Skyhawk 677 Delta Mike Boston. Some know might be clearing emergency. North 7 Delta Mike Boston approach. Uh, say your intentions and uh, your radar contact in mile northeast of Martha's Vineyard at 1100. North 7 Delta Mike Boston approach. Uh, we think we hear something uh, when we approach the railway. Those were the voices of pilot Lee Han Bao and Boston TRACON Air Traffic Controller and National Air Traffic Controllers Association member Dave Chesley on a midsummer late evening last year. Hi everyone, this is Doug Church, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at NACA, and welcome to the NACA Podcast. I'm pleased to be able to tell you the story behind an amazing flight assist that earned Chesley the 2020 Archie League Medal of Safety Award for the New England region. At night and in the fog, on a short final approach into Martha's Vineyard, Lehan's VOR receiver on her Cessna 172 started to swing left to right, then stopped on the left. She saw a group of bright lights, which distracted her. She turned left a bit to try to go back on course, but it didn't work. A few seconds later, she heard a noise that they hit something, and the aircraft started to lose directional control at around 400 feet. She added full power right away and tried to bring the wings level. Then, she contacted Boston Tracon and declared an emergency. Dave, who's also an experienced pilot, immediately went to work to help her with clear and calm instructions. He could hear that Lehan's voice was shaking, and he tried to calm her down. Dave guided her to Otis Air National Guard Base, which had a long runway, a 24-hour facility, and was in VFR conditions. Lehan landed safely, later discovering that she hit a tree on her approach, seriously damaging the aircraft. Here's my conversation with Dave about this event. So let's start by having having you, Dave, to tell us about yourself. Tell us about your career, uh, how many years in the agency and, and your background. Sure. Um, I grew up in Maine. I um, was exposed to aviation as a kid. Um, one of my grandfathers was a gunner in dive bombers in World War II, so he certainly had some stories there. Another grandfather owned uh, numerous small airplanes, which he flew uh, sportsmen, hunters, and fishing, fishermen through uh, throughout the North Main Woods into remote locations, and I had the opportunity to fly with him as a kid. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, after graduating high school, I didn't really have any direction in what I wanted to do in life <laughs> at that age, so I... I was hanging around home. I was working at the local airport and taking some classes and then decided one day that, um, you know, this interest of aviation is something that I was going to pursue as a career. So I went off to college in, in New Hampshire and pursued a degree in flight operations uh, two years into that. Um, took a liking to air traffic and uh, decided to switch majors into air traffic and graduated two years later. Um, worked around the area for a year or so after graduation for flight school and a charter company um, doing scheduling and eventually the FAA called in 2012 March of 2012 and asked me if I could report to the academy a month later so I did that uh, Ooh, a lot of notice huh <laughs> yeah yeah about 30 <laughs> days notice so reported to the academy in uh, April of 2012 and then three months later, my first facility at Boston Center in uh, New Hampshire, which was kind of home for me at the time. So spent five years at Boston Center and then made a transfer just up the street to Boston Tracon, where I currently work. Been there for three and a half years and um, worked there and uh, currently serve on the local executive board for NACA. Um, 
live in southern New Hampshire with my my beautiful wife, who's also a controller. Uh, she works at Boston Logan, and uh, we have a 13-month-old son. Fantastic. My wife and, and her family are all from Maine. Uh, where in Maine exactly are you from? I grew up in Auburn, Maine. That's kind of about a half hour north of Portland. Well, that's a great story. And and so that helps explain my next question, which is your pilot experience, obviously growing up around it. And so what, what a wonderful experience you had. And uh, do you still fly currently? Uh, and, and have you taken that level of aviation uh, you know, throughout your, your life? Yeah, like I said, uh, I started uh, my pursuit of a pilot's license in college. Uh, my exposure and experience kind of started prior to that flying with my grandfather. Um, but uh, like I said, I earned a few ratings in college, um, pursued my commercial license um, shortly thereafter. Um, currently hold my commercial license, and uh, my wife is a pilot as well. Um, we just we actually just purchased uh, an airplane, so we've been um, having fun with that, and uh, it's our newest addition to the family. Oh, what kind of plane? Um, it's a Murphy Moose. Um, it's an ex- uh, single engine, experimental, um, home built. Um, so it's similar to, uh, I guess, a, it's, they refer to it as a baby beaver. So it's kind of like, a, <laughs> it looks, it looks like a de Havilland beaver, but it's much smaller. So, okay. How exciting. This is great. Well, let me, tell me about your airspace at a 90 and how now getting into the story of what occurred in this, in this event last year, um, what is your primary responsibility and, uh, kind of set the picture for us as the as the listener as to what you're responsible for so a90 is currently set up into a, a two areas um, within the building um, there's a north area and south area and essentially uh, if you drew a line through boston horizontally south area works everything to the south of boston um, all the way down to nantucket uh, to include martha's vineyard about 20 miles west of that area north area um is Boston up towards uh, Concord, Laconia, New Hampshire, um, northward of that way. Um, I currently work in the the south area and, and did so at the time of the, this incident. Um, I was working the, I guess you'd refer to it as a legacy Cape area. So um, Massachusetts um, and, and the islands area, uh, Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard included, um, was the airspace that I was working at the time. So let's set the stage for this particular flight, and we're talking about a Cessna 172, and it had taken off from Groton, Connecticut, and was headed to Martha's Vineyard. And this was late at night, is that correct? Near like 10 p.m. Eastern time? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Is it unusual for uh, there to be a, a lot of traffic of this nature, small general aviation at night, even in the summertime where, where the, when this happened? Yeah, the majority of our operations in that area um, of the airspace is majority general aviation uh, activity. Late at night, um, there's not as much activity, obviously, at that time of night. Um, that specific time, there were only a few aircraft in the airspace. So this particular aircraft, and, and she, the pilot had one passenger on board, I believe, from listening to the audio transmission. Um, from that initial transmission, the urgency was pretty clear. The emergency was declared by her. Take us then through exactly what happened from that point, exactly what you were thinking when you first heard that, and then the initial steps to establishing communication with her, which was not that easy. It seemed like uh, there were several 
times when you had reached out to her and didn't get a response. So take us through the initial part of this event. Yeah, so I had just come back from break. Um, I was working the majority of the South area combined up. We had six sectors combined up. This time of night, very few aircraft on frequency. I actually had the watch desk combined to the position as well. I was controller in charge and uh, had the entire area. Um, so I was really the only controller in that portion of the TRACON at the time. Um, it's the last hour or so of my shift I took over and uh, at the time, seven Delta Mike, so the tail number, I was on a vector for the ILS 24 at Martha's Vineyard. The weather at Martha's Vineyard that that evening, I, I remember, was was not good at all. Um, low ceilings, uh, fog, RVR values were low, and again, it's it's over the ocean at night. Fairly, fairly normal approach overall. Um, I monitored the aircraft down final, and it wasn't until about a two mile final um, that things changed. And I noticed in one radar return that the aircraft had made a ninety degree left turn, and I thought to myself at that time that. A, this is either a, a bad radar return or something could be wrong. Um, and it was through the next couple radar returns that uh, I noticed that something's not right here. Um, they weren't flying the, the published missed approach procedure. Um, there were kind of erratic turns and climbs and descents. So as you mentioned, I reached out in the blind a couple times to the aircraft. Um, shortly thereafter, they checked on frequency, declaring emergency. Um, and it was through subsequent transmissions that I learned that um, they had they had struck something and that they deemed that the aircraft was uncontrollable. So certainly not the words you want to hear as as a controller um, that an aircraft being un uncontrollable is is kind of your your one of your worst nightmares. Um, and then you know at that time I realized everything kind of changed. You know I I resorted back to thinking about you know being a pilot and you kind of trained for. Uh, emergency scenarios that never stop flying the airplane. So then my focus kind of changed to um, getting the pilot in a position that they could focus on just flying the airplane, kind of maintaining straight and level attitude and, and getting to a safe altitude that we could then figure out our options. Um, like I said at the time, Martha's Vineyard weather was was terrible that evening. I didn't feel that going back um, and trying to attempt an approach there was the safest option. Um, again, low ceilings, fog, poor visibility, and nighttime over the ocean is, you know, the, the cards were kind of stacked against us. Um, fortunately, in this in this scenario, you know, to the northeast, about 15 miles or so, we had uh, Coast Guard Air Station, which is a military airport there with intersected runways of 8,000 feet and longer. Um, so it was a great alternative. Um, and fortunately, in this case, like I said, she was able to uh, get control of the aircraft eventually. And uh, in conversation with her, get her to a safe altitude and and some headings to uh, safely land at that airport. Um, I throughout the experience, I didn't understand the the severity of the damage to the aircraft. It wasn't my concern at the time as to exactly the extent of the damage. More so concerned that uh, they had engine power and the ability to control the airplane. Um, in conversation after with a, a supervisor about. Um, the, the incident, he was collecting information and had a conversation with a pilot. He believed it could have just been a, a bird strike or something of that nature. And I was kind of skeptical of that and and really didn't learn until the next day um, the extent of the damage. You know, I, I went home and attempted to sleep for a while, although <laughs> it was a very restful sleep. You know, a lot I of times imagine. they say, yeah, a lot of times they say, you know, we're, we're fortunate in this industry that, uh, 
we don't have to take our work home with us. And, and I would agree 99% of the time, but I think it's, it's these instances that you do take home that you do replay over and over in your head, wondering, you know, what if I had said this, what if I had done that and how it could have affected the outcome. And fortunately, you know, very thankful that it turned out the way it did. And, uh, you know, hats off certainly to the, the pilot for doing such a phenomenal job. Um, so it was the next morning that I received a text message, like I said, and it had a picture of, of the damage to the aircraft. And I was absolutely just stunned to the the amount of damage that that the plane had had taken and that the uh, pilot was able to uh, remain in control of it. And, you know, just have the uh, have the focus and and uh, um, to safely, you know, be able to fly it, get control of it and remain calm and 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 uh, land safely. Well, we're talking about a two foot dent for lack of a better word in the left wing according to the, the pictures which we'll share with uh our, our listeners via the the, the written story that we're going to do and put this on social media and we still don't exactly exactly know what she hit but to cause that kind of damage it, it, it was certainly jarring to see the photo as you just uh, had the same reaction um and i know on the frequency you made a couple attempts to ascertain the extent of the damage, but then quickly got back to helping her fly the airplane when it really wasn't clear that she was going to be able to, to give that determination of what exactly was wrong with the plane. As you rightly said, churn the focus at that point to, okay, straight and level flight, altitude, airspeed, all the th- checklist in your head. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And and like you mentioned, um, the damage to that wing was was fairly very significant. Um, from what I saw, it appeared that there were there were pine needles, and I was told that a um, somebody went out to the site the day after and could actually pick out the tree that was impacted. So I think they concluded that she did hit a tree. Um, and as you mentioned, there was about a two foot dent part, a portion of the wing was torn open. And, uh, all I could think of is, you know, a few feet, one direction that could have changed the outcome of, of this, uh, circ- you know, the, um, this event totally. So, you know, th- thankfully everything worked out uh, the way it did. Like I've said numerous times, hats off to the pilot for doing such a phenomenal job and, and keeping, you know, staying composed and, and, uh, in control of that airplane. So does that then lead you to wonder how she got sort of off course on on her approach or obviously had some altitude issues do you think it was more a spatial issue because like you said over over water nighttime than anything else or was there any more any warning signs before she came on to declare the emergency so no like i said a fairly standard approach um altogether I, i from what i've read and uh, in the reports and heard uh, secondhand through um, a supervisor that had a conversation with the pilot after after the fact, she mentioned that um, on approach saw lights um, right about minimums. And that's when they they made a, a turn off the approach course thinking it was the runway environment. Um, and it, it ended up not being the runway environment. And then they went to initiate a go around and at that point impacted the tree. I was told that... Um, there is a building in the in the uh, nearby where she struck the tree that does have lights on it and it's a forest service building and there's a road just adjacent to that with street lights that could have been mistaken for a runway so although i don't know that to be to be fact i, I was told that she, she did see lights in that portion of the approach and and believed it was the airport environment okay well that makes sense now about how how that occurred 
what about um, everything like you mentioned you were this was toward the end of your shift weren't a lot of controllers still on position at that point but what was happening around you around your position as you're talking with the pilot are there other things happening other people helping to coordinate certain aspects of this uh, of this event so as I mentioned, I was the only controller in the area at the time, but there was uh, a couple supervisors with the operation in the north area. Um, as soon as it happened, I, I yelled over, um, and they they immediately came over to uh, to help out. Rich Steele was uh, one of the operational supervisors helping, and at the time was was a, a very big help um, in just helping out, you know, keep me calm and and also reinsure the pilot that they were doing a good job and getting me any information I needed. And was doing coordination behind as well with the tower and and other facilities and and getting me airport information and. Um, we're looking at weather at different airports and trying to figure out the best plan of action for the pilot. So, yeah, it helped behind the scenes. Um, a, a couple supervisors were in the building, like I said, helping. Um, but initially, it was I was just sitting there, uh, only one in the area, um, working from a handset. You know, there were only a few aircraft on frequency. As I said, it was towards the end of my shift with uh, about a half hour, 45 minutes to go and uh, things winding down. So it, it kind of stands to reason you, you just got to be prepared every minute of every shift for anything that could happen of course right <laughs> absolutely you know it, it's these events i think that um you know we don't train for for these sorts of events in air traffic you know things are fairly standard 99 percent of the time you know turn left turn right climb descend um but it's events like this i think that you know we we kind of have to take off that controller hat and realize that we're part of the team you know we, we kind of have to put ourselves in that airplane um with the pilot and be there to give them the information they need i mean ultimately you know they're flying the airplane and we're just in a support role at that point in, in my opinion and and getting them the info they need and um trying to think one step ahead and anticipate the, the things they need and um you know we don't have a playbook for it so you're, you're kind of working on the fly and, and figuring out as you go and um, you know, fortunately, in this this scenario, everything everything worked out great. Number seven, Delta Mike, the winds two four zero at four, and again, runway five, we are clear to land. Runway five, clear to land. Seven, Delta Mike. Number seven, Delta Mike, you're doing a great job. Tower does have you in sight there, and again, they do have equipment standing by for you. Okay, Delta Seven, Delta Mike. Tower approaching. Just let me know when she touches down. We'll do. She goes for final. In your decade of experience now being a controller, have there been any other incidents that rivaled this one in terms of the the nature of the, of the emergency and the urgent situation and, and having to put your pilot skills to to use to to assist the pilot to get uh, down safely? Um, not not to this level. No, I we experience emergencies. Um, Fairly often, I think, as as controllers, uh, you know, standard would be a medical emergency or something of that nature, or a loss of uh, certain equipment. Um, but no, not not to this uh, extreme. Um, this certainly was the worst one that I experienced. Uh, you know, handle a, a few others with equipment malfunctions or engine issues or, like I said, medical emergencies. But uh, this was this was certainly different, and I I could tell. You know, just by the radar returns, like I mentioned initially, that I, I could tell something was wrong, and then having the pilot checking on, and just in the tone of voice, 
and urgency she expressed that that something was really really wrong tell me about your feelings about being selected as an archie league medal of safety award winner for this event what does that mean to you well it's, like, it's nice to be acknowledged um i think it's it's a great program that the NAC has done to acknowledge these sort of events and saves. Um, for me personally, like I said, I really, I really credit with the pilot, you know, the pilot with the majority of the, the praise here. And um, I, I feel that, you know, I, I might've helped out in some regard, but again, uh, you know, I feel it was really her that uh, did the majority of the work and remained, you know, calm and, and collect in order to, to remain in control of that airplane and get it safely on the ground. Um, I don't know of many instances in which uh, an aircraft airborne strikes something and um, is deemed uncontrollable and still um, safely lands that aircraft. Um, I don't know of many, many situations that that's occurred. Um, so I, again, in this specific scenario, you know, hats off to the pilot is, is like what I'd like to say. And, and she did a phenomenal job. Well, that's very well stated. Thank you so much. And and thank you for taking the time to uh, to go through this uh, very compelling event. And, and all of us uh, extend our very warmest congratulations to you on this and uh, continued best wishes and good health to you and your family. Thank you, Doug. Same for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the NACA podcast. I'm Doug Church. Stay safe and take care.